1: Hercules Invictus, and Athena Victory celebrate the mythic impulses of ancient Greece and Rome, and they invite you to celebrate with them. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. Greetings and welcome to Voice of Olympus. Uh, Today, I'm greatly honored to be starting with an Age of Heroes segment on the path of public service. And we have as our guest, um, Zena Spizakis, who is running for Congress. Greetings and welcome, Zena. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks, Hercules. Thanks for having me on.
1: How is your campaign going? Uh, You're very busy.
2: Uh, well, yeah, running a campaign is not for the faint uh, of heart. It's a, it's almost a 24-7 endeavor. So uh, it's it's been busy, but things are going well.
1: I'm glad to hear that. Um, myself and my family uh, uh, signed your uh, um, papers uh, and added our signatures to your campaign. So I'll be dropping those off to you this week.
2: That would be great. Thank you very much for that.
1: Now, you are not only taking on other congressional candidates, you are taking on the entire system. And I admire that about you. And I'd like to focus on that uh, today a little bit, if you don't mind.
2: Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Okay,
1: so you've declared a brand new Congress in 2020. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so uh, actually that was – I was also endorsed by an organization called Brand New Congress. And Brand New Congress is a national progressive organization, and they were the folks that were behind uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in her victory a couple of years ago. Um, They are a a progressive organization, and they endorse candidates who uh, don't take uh, corporate Uh, Money. Uh, They endorse candidates who believe in things like, uh, you know, fighting for um, uh, climate. um, uh, Candidates who uh, endorse who themselves are behind the Green New Deal, uh, other policies such as uh, Medicare for All, immigration reforms, just uh, uh, sort of the uh, the the the, all the progressive policies that we would typically think of, um, you know, policies that work for people uh, rather than profits, uh, corporate profits.
1: Uh, and th- those are all topics that are dominating our consciousness uh, through uh, the news. Uh, and they're all very, very important uh, to very many uh, people. Uh, can you explain the Green New Deal and what you intend on doing uh, to uh, basically sustain the Earth? Because uh, the Earth seems to be in crisis right now. Uh, I was looking for all through NASA satellites and, uh, that are online, and it was very mm-hmm. scary so the earth was on fire. Uh,
2: well, there's uh, there's actually fires quite near us here in New Jersey uh, uh, near the Delaware Water Gap. Um, you, you know, it's today it was in the high 50s. And it is, uh in the middle of February. This is a month that typically should be below subfreezing temperatures yeah. with snow on the ground. This winter has been completely snowless. Um, the Green New Deal itself is a resolution, and it encompasses a set of policies that not only um, address um, the causes of climate change, i.e., you know, human um, human um, uh, emissions, uh, fossil fuel emissions, but also um, uh, address um, folks who will be affected by climate change, so there are uh, there's an environmental justice component. What we see in a, a lot of times is you know lower income communities, communities of color are often the first Um, to uh, feel the effects of any sort of power plant or any, you know, any climate related uh, issues such as rising sea levels or increasing pollution. Um, And those are the communities that we must build resilience in. Those are the communities we must help first and foremost. Um, You know, other things that are involved in the Green New Deal are also, it's basically an entire, it's transforming our economy away from fossil fuels which dominated the energy systems in the 20th century to sustainable fuels renewables or carbon neutral fuels for the 21st century um, and the good news is that um, you know even you're seeing some major um, investment uh, investment actors divest away from fossil fuels because what's going to happen to companies such as Exxon or British petroleum is as these fossil fuels go away those assets of those companies become liabilities. so you know it'll mm-hmm. be more costly for an Exxon to maintain an oil well in another fifty years than it will than it will be producing as far as return for the company. And th- the reason for that is when renewables come online, they you fossil fuels really can't compete with them. You can't compete with a with an energy source whose uh, whose source is free, whether it's wind or solar or whatever, or geothermal it's, or tidal, um, and you know and those sources are much more. Um, to come online faster than fossil fuels are as stable as fossil fuels now that we have advances in battery technologies uh, and uh, and, grid, and grid shifting, shifting of loads, um, getting a little technical there. But it's, it's basically a transformation to a sustainable and clean world that is just for every American, regardless of who they are or where they came from or, you know, or who they love, frankly. Um, we really need to transform the, our way of life in order to survive.
1: And you know where off you speak because professionally you're focused in this area. So you're very well informed uh, as to what's actually happening. Uh, You are very likely to recognize quote unquote false news uh, about such topics and uh, uh, you're trained to know how to correctly respond to these types of emergencies.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I have a, I have a background in business. I also have a, a, right now I work in clean energy. um, So I'm very familiar with the space. I mean, when you say clean energy, there's like, you know, it's, 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 it's A to Z, right. There's everything from solar to wind, to hydrogen, to tidal. I mean, there's a whole lot of things, but um, I also studied the science uh, through a graduate program. So I understand, I understand what's happening uh, to the climate. And I also understand energy policy and how, uh, what we need to do. There's some really easy fixes, um, easy, i.e., it doesn't take a lot of effort to get them done, it just takes a lot of political will. For example, we still pay fossil fuel companies uh, you know, billions, trillions worldwide in, front in, um, in taxpayer subsidies. Why are we paying oil companies taxpayer money when they don't need it? They are a mature industry um, and they are basically just taking our money, lining their pockets, and polluting our our planet. You know the reason that's happening is because a lot of these fossil fuel companies and their trade organizations um you know i call them legalized bribes but they basically contribute to political campaigns and keep these politicians afloat in i mean in, in some cases in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to um um to politicians um so they keep their fossil fuel subsidies so that's the type of stuff um i'm i'm trying to a- address you know our campaign doesn't take any any corporate money so we are outside of the influence of any corporate actor and our main focus is just hel- helping people and planet um you know, and yet even my own opponent has taken money not only from Big Pharma, but he's taken it from fossil fuel interests. So he's, I don't have any confidence that he's going to do anything about it.
1: And that is an important part of uh, your campaign and the campaign of other uh, progressives because uh, by not taking this money, you're not under the influence, as you said. So uh, you can focus more on what needs to be done and exercise uh, leadership uh, to get us to something that will benefit all rather than uh, obeying corporate masters. So that that's very reassuring. Um, yep. You had also mentioned immigration policy. And uh, um, there, we have crossed the line as a nation into atrocity uh, that will be remembered forever when people mention our country. So, how can we possibly fix that?
2: Well, there's uh there's there's a few there's a few levers that we could pull. I mean, there's um you know, I, you mentioned that and the first thing that comes to mind was a recent um well, not so recent it was a few months ago at this point where the house uh, many of the sort of centrist house democrats voted to um to keep funding um, you know the border um, uh, the, the border agencies without any oversight um, and my own opponent Bill Pascal voted for this without giving um, you know Trump any uh, any oversight without you know reining him in as to what he can you know do with the funds ie you know detain or <laughs> detain folks or pull uh, children out of their mother's arms um, you know that that sort of legislation which a lot of progressives did not vote for um, you know was one is one way to sort of rein him in if you you know if you Congress controls purse the purse strings and if we don't give you know and if we don't give a bad acting executive the money to 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 you know, to do these atrocities then you know he's less likely uh to do them. You know, the um it's 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 uh this administration has gone off the deep end, I'd like to say, uh, with respect to uh what they've done at the border. Frankly, they are um and I'm I'm very happy to say they are in my view, uh uh racist. I'm not afraid to say it, that's what they are. Um, you know, when you when you've got migrants who are fleeing such violence in their own country walking hundreds of miles often without any food get you know there's a reason why they're doing that they're not doing this to invade the United States they're coming here to seek asylum and it is within our laws to accept these and if we don't and if we don't fix that system Um, You know, we're going to have bigger problems in the future, especially with climate change. Now, it all kind of goes back to climate change for me, because what's going to happen as the Earth warms, the equatorial regions of this planet will become hotter, uh, and they will turn into deserts, and people will not be able to grow food. And we're already seeing this in parts of the world right now, and if people can't grow food to feed their families or find clean drinking water, they will head north. Um, they will head towards the poles, and they're, it's unlikely they're going to head south towards Antarctica. They will head north into North into Mexico and into North America. Um, and this is, if you think, you know, if you think, of, you know, I don't, a few hundred thousand migrants at the border is giving us problems now. Just think of what's going to happen when you've got 10 million people knocking on our door because um, because they can't survive where they are. We need to rethink our uh, immigration policy uh, and our asylum policy to accommodate uh, folks like that. And you know, for people to say we don't want migrants in here, um, whatever they're going to steal our jobs, we have to remember we have to remember that you know. Um, Many people, much of the United States is populated by immigrants who, frankly, came here, came here illegally in a lot of cases, you know, during the 1800s, mm-hmm. um, you know, illegally or Ill- illegally. There wasn't any law then, but they came here. They, you know, they displaced Native Americans. Let's not forget our history. And for us to say, you know, to say anything against folks coming in right now, is frankly hypocritical and not the right thing to do. Um, We are facing a crisis globally, and we need to start thinking about how we're going to accommodate, um, you know, climate migrations. Um, You know, I'll I'll, I'll leave you with one example. Last summer in India, uh, there were large swaths of the Indian subcontinent that witnessed 124-degree heat waves. Now, at 124 degrees, you can't grow food. Plants will not thrive. Most plants will not survive in that sort of heat. Um, And so what you saw happening is that entire villages just uprooted and left, were abandoned entirely and and migrated, migrated to cooler spots, to places where they could find food. Now, that's going to happen all over the world. Um, and we are woefully unprepared um, to, to 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 you know the, the people who are screaming the alarm bells are the U.S. military. They've known for they've known for a great long time, but so nobody seems to be listening to the military. They see this coming. Um, they've they've known this is going to happen for a while now.
1: So. I've been wondering that if a lot of what's going on at the border now is, is actually, despite the fact that they're denying uh, climate change uh, officially, that uh, these uh, actions are in response uh, to what's going to happen when that uh, happens and people start migrating north in mass.
2: Yeah, I mean the the the, the military. I mean the military, the army. You know, they they uh, the Joint Chiefs. They understand that this is going. This is happening, and they uh, and there. You can Google this. There are articles where they've been quoted saying, "We are we're just we're this. We're going to have climate migrations." In extraordinary numbers, and we need to prepare for this. Not only that, but it's, you know, uh, it's not only, you know, here at our southern border, but even our assets around the world. You know, when a lot of these places start, uh, when you have so many people migrating, governments start to break down. They just right. start to break down. You can't. Ha- you can You just can't handle that. Um, there's just so much. You know, police. You can put up against. You know, a mob of people coming your way because they are because they're trying to survive, um, and they understand that that sort of instability, the instability that that causes, is a threat uh, to uh, to our allies. Um, it's a threat to their to our assets around the world as well. So um, we are not. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this administration is. Uh, I'm hoping somebody's thinking about this, uh, because it's not, it's not something we can respond to within a week.
1: Um, no, no, certainly not. And, and we need to, uh, to focus on it, because uh, um, it is an individuality that is unfolding, and uh, we're not going to be able to ignore it or wish it away or, or accuse it of being uh, um, a narrative that's not true. Um, you right. mentioned also healthcare for all, and there, um, I believe personally, uh, from where I stand and what I've learned, um, and I spent many years in the healthcare industry, that this is a, a prime priority. But it seems that even uh, Democrats are saying, "Oh, we can't afford uh, this." Um, why can other countries do this, and we we seem to not be able to? <laughs>
2: You know, when the Democrats say we can't afford it, frankly, it's a Republican talking point. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not afraid to say that. Um, there's there's a couple of comments I'll say to people who say we can't afford people centric policies. Somehow we managed to find oh close to seven trillion dollars to have a 20 year long war. Somehow we managed to find a trillion dollars to give the wealthy and corporations a significant tax cut. You know, somehow we we managed to find money for um, Uh, the wealthy and the powerful, but we can't find it for, you know, the lady who, who's the single mother who has cancer and, and is afraid to go to the hospital. Right. So, and, and quite frankly, if you want to talk, I actually wrote an op-ed in the Star Ledger last year Mm -hmm. about this. And I looked at Medicare for all from, from, I mean, it's a moral issue for me, of course, but I looked at it from an economic perspective. And when you have 18% of your GDP devoted to healthcare, now that's more than double our next industrialized, uh, you know, uh, uh, ally, um, growing in that 18%, a third of that goes into overhead of just administering, administering these plans. There is an extraordinary amount of fat to be cut from that. You know, if I was an entrepreneur, I'm like, that's an industry that needs disrupting, disrupting because it's not functioning normally. Um, and that, and I hate, and that, that, Enormous, you know, whatever I think, 1.3 or a trillion dollars that we spend in healthcare, that's growing at about five to six percent per year, with no with no sight of it slowing down. Now, in 15 years, that's going to be an enormous amount of our GDP. I forget the number off the top of my head, but it becomes an enormous. We cannot afford our current healthcare system because of the way it's growing. You know, I have, I mean, I, you know, besides the moral issues, besides the fact that, you know, half a million people go bankrupt every year trying to afford this, besides, you know, people having to deal with, you know, loved ones who are in the hospital fighting for their lives and then getting liens on their houses from the hospital just so that they can't get away from paying the bill, that's just immoral. That is not the society that I think America uh, can be. And you're right, every other country I mean, Denmark, all the Scandinavian, every other industrialized country, all our neighbors seem to function pretty well. And not only that, they have better health outcomes. Yes. We're not the healthiest. We're not the health. We we're spending all this money, all this excess. Like there's all this fat in the system, and you'd think we'd have like better life expectancy or healthier outcomes. We're not. We're not. We're we're nowhere near the top of healthy outcomes. So it's not even ph- so our healthcare system's not even keeping us healthy. The thing that it is keeping healthy is you know pharmaceutical profits, keeping health insurance profits, and you know and when I you know when I look at representatives and I did a lot of research on my opponent, he, Bill Pascrell has taken in excess of 1.1 million dollars in just big pharma and health insurance money, just corporate money. That this is not executive stuff. This is just coming from the corporation. He in no way is going to do. anything anything to try to control uh, health care expenses in our district. And, to, and, and the icing on that cake is that if you look at the demographics, parts of Passaic County, our district, have the highest uninsured rates in the entire state of New Jersey. Wow. So he's taking money from Par pharma. His constituents are dying because they don't have health care. And he's not doing anything about it. I mean, that's the type of, it, you know, it begs the question. I'm like, why is he still in office? Why is he still in office if he's if he's that unresponsive? And we I've been with nurses uh, petitioning him, you know, at his office, asking him to support Medicare for all, you know, what we get. We'll talk to an intern and we will never see a reply back from the congressman. He just is unresponsive uh,
1: to 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 these questions. So Mm. it's infuriating. That brings up the, the question, in addition to electing the right people and making sure that they're going to take effective action you know, because they're not taking money from people who would uh, uh, push them strongly in a particular uh, direction, what type of actions can a citizen take? Because I believe that as citizens, we have a lot more power than uh, uh, people uh, believe. And I know at least on the local level, many things are taken care of with a phone call or two. And then as we yeah, I mean, the widen, that that's no longer true. But in terms of like immediate politics, it's it's a few phone calls and talking to a few people, and something will happen. You might not always be happy with what happens, mm-hmm. but at least heated and debated, and something happened. What can we do on a level beyond the local to affect change?
2: We're, really I mean whether whether It's Medicare for all or climate action At this point um, It is just voting and it is becoming becoming A high information vote you need to Understand who's on the ballot and what They believe for because voting is the single Most effective thing uh, that you can do Right now especially for the climate crisis You know we are past the point where individual Consumption choices will have a huge effect Now we need to we need bold Action taken at like the federal level um, You know the with, with the congressman you know I've been We've 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 called. We've like gone to his office about Medicare for all, about other things. And you know we uh, we have he has been unresponsive to us. We are actually calling him and asking him for a debate. Um, a live debate, perhaps on NJTV News, on any topic of his choosing, frankly. I'll debate him on uh, health care or unions or, or climate change, for that matter. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's voting right now. I mean, there's, there are going to be, especially 2020 is a critical year. And I hope that everybody who's listening you registers to vote and registers to vote in the primary. Because not all Democrats, I'm running as a Democrat, are the same. You have Democrats who you have, you have Democrats who are what I call climate delayers or just healthcare delayers. They delay action or they, you know, they'll pay lip service to it, but not actually take any action. Um, but there are progressives up and down the ballot across the state of New Jersey that right now that are challenging, not only in our district, but in other districts that are challenging the incumbents because of their inaction. Because we are at a moment in history where I think the masses are real, or are, are, have had enough. You know, it is enough. We we should not have any more medical bankruptcies. People should not be afraid to go to the hospital. People realize that in the middle of February, at least on a subconscious level, that a sixty degree day consistently over a week is not normal. The fact that the Arctic tur- hit 70 degrees the other week, that is not normal. So I think there is a, we're at a moment in history where I think people will come out to vote and you're seeing it. You're actually seeing it. it, it yes. like you're starting to see it in the, in the Bernie Sanders campaign, frankly, you know, all the pundits were like, you know, I mean? last year, if you talked to somebody last year, they w- would have act- expected him to drop out, but he like, he won Nevada, a diverse state. With he won so many votes, he won combined. He won more votes than number two, three, and four combined.
3: Because yeah. people
2: realize that this guy's like you know, he this guy's a real deal. He's been saying the exact same thing for the last three decades.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: You know, it doesn't take the, any corporate money. You know, you could trust if he says he's going to do something, you know, he's going to go. And he has shown he has his political behavior has shown has been such that he has taken positions even when it hasn't been politically expedient right. for him to do so, mm-hmm. uh, which people respect, you know, and, you know, they're, the other thing is that you have uh, a base of, of very energized activists in the state, you know, not only here in the state of New Jersey, but also nationwide um, that are getting, that are, you know, they're knocking on doors, they're calling voters, they're, they're getting the word out and, you know, it makes a difference. Um, it makes a difference. We are at a, we're, it's going to be critical this year. So that's why
1: we're fighting so hard. Oh, and you definitely are uh, fighting and uh, we've had several conversations both uh, on and off uh, the air and you are out there and you're very, very uh, enthusiastic. And in Greek, that means possessed by divinity. You know, you're really, really out there and you have a cause and you believe in it and you're fighting for it. So um, now beyond, um, uh just basically trying to raise awareness beyond signing your papers beyond when you get signs putting a sign on uh, my lawn um mm-hmm. what else can people do to uh, to let uh, um, local people and beyond local people know what you're uh fighting for and what you represent
2: you know i i ask folks you you know five other uh, five other voters independent or democrat you know five other voters get them to the polls
4: um
2: on on June second, which is the uh, d- uh, primary here in New Jersey, um, it's just it is it is it is getting folks to the polls. Um, and it's just, it is word of mouth. You know, we are, we are in the district and we are canvassing very aggressively. So the word is getting out. I mean, right now we're knocking on doors and people are recognizing our campaign, awesome. which is great news, uh, which is it's fantastic. But we've, I mean, we've been at it for months, right? Um, so it's just, it's a lot of hard work. And you know, when we, we, we actually, you know, some, some of the folks that we've canvassed have come onto our camp uh, campaign as volunteers. So there is that, there is, like a growing sense of enthusiasm there we are always seeking other volunteers who are willing to knock doors or make phone calls or text banks um but really it's just if people if people are listening to this and they're they go to go to my website and they you know if they believe what you know if they believe fighting for people on planet is important then i ask just find five of your friends and bring them to the polls and make sure they vote uh for us uh on june 2nd um and then hopefully those five will tell five of their friends and so on so
1: well, well, that we can definitely do. And uh, my mother, she said she would take uh, a couple of the sheets to her friends. So You'd
2: be surprised. You'd be surprised how quickly the word can spread. Um, you know, if you just make a concerted effort.
1: Wow. Um, I'm, I'm excited this is this is very very uh, exciting what do you tell people who will bring up the argument and very many people do uh, oh you know you can't vote for progressives you know you got to find somebody who who's tougher than Trump uh, and uh, and I, I don't think that's the a way because, it's like, I'd much rather vote for somebody who's going to do what I'd like them to do rather than st- to strategically think of somebody I don't want that's, that's not going to do what I want to do just to beat somebody else.
2: Well, let's, let's put it this way. Um, if you, if you want to, you know, if somebody goes down the path of, like, centrist versus moderate versus uh, progressive, we have tried it with moderates over many election cycles, um, and that uh, <laughs> and that hasn't worked out too well. The thing, you know, you know, they 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 talk about I'll get Bernie Sanders electability. Quite frankly, I mean, I, w- I was watching the debate last week, and if Bloomberg or Buttigieg are the type of people that you're going to put up against Trump, they will get eviscerated. Um, especially, especially Mayor Bl- uh, Bl- Mayor Bloomberg, who couldn't even stand the scrutiny of Elizabeth Warren asking him about, you know, NDAs. Um, mm-hmm. If you put up, if you put a true progress, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing um, uh, scarier, I think, to a Donald Trump than somebody who is uncorruptible, and and progressives are uncorruptible. Uh, because we don't because we don't we, we don't allow ourselves to take, you know, the, the cash that would corrupt uh, a lot of a lot of politicians. Um, I think uh, I think if you look at debate performance and hell, if you just look at just grassroots support, um, you know, the enthusiasm is on the progressive side. Um, you know, I know I know that a lot of pundits were like very pro Biden at one point, you um, You know, and he's his campaign. I'm not sure what's going on in his campaign, but he hasn't performed well uh, in any of these debates, and he hasn't been able to sustain uh, his organization, hasn't been able to sustain, um, you know, uh, a, a full fledged campaign. You know, a campaign like a Bernie Sanders campaign, first of all, has millions of volunteers. Uh, So never underestimate and millions of volunteers who are extraordinarily energetic and enthusiastic. That type of stuff. Not even you can't. Even if you're Bloomberg, you know he has spent five hundred million dollars or something on television ads. It's he should have spent five hundred million dollars on debate preparation because when you roll your eyes at a woman who is talking, who is asking you about NDAs over sexual harassment and sexual discrimination matters, you will lose every woman out there who you're, who who you're, because you're not only rolling your eyes at Elizabeth Warren, you're rolling your eyes at every other woman who's asking. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was ridiculous. I was just, I was, I was floored quite honestly. I was like, I, he must've had debate preparation or I'm assuming he did, but I guess he didn't, it didn't stick. But um, you know, and when you see a Bernie Sanders, even when he gets attacked, you know, he's got – his message is very, very consistent. You know, there are people will say, oh, you're not building a broad enough coalition, Bernie Sanders. That's a complete false narrative because there isn't anyone who has got, you know, such a multi-generational, multi-ethnic support base as he does. And, mm-hmm. you know, and his message is consistent. We're just fighting for people. I'm fighting for somebody I don't know. I'm fighting for someone to have medical care because I am a moral person, and I don't want somebody suffering bang- bankruptcy because their loved one died of cancer a double whammy you know that that those are moral moral reasons and oh by the way you've got progressives such as myself with an mba who can understand that not only is it a moral reason but our current system is unsustainable we will go bankrupt (laughs) if we keep our current healthcare system um you know so now,
1: you you said you wrote an op-ed, and I know you were on the damage report yep. not long ago. Um, are there any yep. other, um, like, what other vehicles are you using to reach uh, lots of people? Because your message is powerful, needs to be heard.
2: Yeah, well, we're, uh, we're we're hopefully have time now to write some more up as we just hired a great campaign manager. But we've been uh, we've been on the Humanist Report with Mike Figueroa. We've been awesome. on TYT with Anna Kasparian, uh who's does a lot of research. Um, you know, we've been on uh, on a few podcasts such as that. Uh, really, right now, you know, all all politics are local. We're really focusing on our district and um, and getting the word out because you know you can go on these podcasts. And stuff like that, and they're important, really, to reach sort of like the national progressive uh, audience. But the people who are going to vote for you are not necessarily going to be watching these podcasts. They're going to be listening to like maybe more local podcasts, or they're going to be, you know, um, uh, at you know uh, at their homes on a Sunday morning when our canvassers knock on their doors. You <laughs> know, so um, um, yeah, it's uh, we're doing a lot more sort of locally um, right now. We'll be about three three months.
1: I- um beyond uh uh this uh day uh if you or anybody from your campaign would like to come on the podcast and address people locally you're more than welcome to just let me know and oh. uh we'll arrange it.
2: yeah i might uh yeah we might send our campaign manager who's awesome uh <laughs> talk to you guys so yeah yeah we will talk to him
1: Well, our journey for today is coming to a close, but thank you so very much for taking uh, the time out of your busy campaigning and uh, sharing your uh, message, which definitely needs to be heard and heeded with uh, the folks uh, that are listening in. Uh, Zina, I wish you the best of luck in this and all your other endeavors, and I feel very comforted that we have somebody like you fighting for us.
2: Thanks, Hercules. Thanks for all the work you do as well.
1: Thank you. And how can people learn more about you and hear your message and get involved with your campaign? Uh,
2: real easy. Just go to XenaForCongress.com. It's Z-I-N-A-For-F-O-R-Congress.com. And there's you know, ways you can volunteer, ways to learn about my platform, um, and ways to contact uh, the campaign as well.
1: Awesome. I will provide links to the website, and I will also search for these uh, media appearances that you've made to see what I can find, and I will post those as well.
2: That would be great. Thank you, Hercules.
1: Okay, thank you, Zena. Take care, and we're going to take a brief break. We're going to listen to Antlered Crown and Sanding Stone, and then we'll be back with Optimal Wellness with Astrid.
0: I'm the voice within the tree. I am boy, I am man. The face of the changing man. And I have been your constant guide. From your caves on the mountainside, we have walked hand in hand. I have been my past and turn the great green,
3: The birds sing to dawn. The, the land has a and oh my lady
0: lays with me. Of trees and fallen and live, the time of the winter queen. But through the wind and snow and rain, know that a part of me remains. Holly stands
3: evergreen. Sweet spring, call its bag and cry beetles, I am child of a
1: segment with the legendary astrid optimal wellness and astrid take on it is pro, to be proactive so we have proactive wellness with astrid greetings astrid how are you
4: greetings hercules doing well i'm glad to hear you are too
1: i'm i'm glad we to started girl.
4: this trip you know I, I love the fact that you've expanded into so many different areas yeah. and that you that you embraced optimal wellness, I think that's fantastic. I mean, you're going in so many different directions, but in the end, they all come back to the same thing: is mm-hmm. supporting one another and getting the right information, whether it be politics, uh, religions, and, and uh, methods of living, health. That's a great thing
1: thank you. And, uh, I'm glad that, uh, you've been able to see it and, uh, that you commented on it now because it is all the same thing. It's all wellness. It's all well Uh, and all of these things are just different aspects of it. And, and you're right that, uh, Um, Getting to the right information is a great part of the challenge, and that's what our quest is all about, to share what we find and uh, uh, to help other people uh, connect with things that they may need on their journeys.
4: Right, and and uh, you you set the platform for the information. You're not telling people what they should do, because no. in the end, everyone's situation is different. Everyone sees things from a different point of view, and yeah. when it comes to your wellness, that's a very individual thing.
1: Oh, well, most certainly it is, uh, and uh, I, I'm finding as I get older that uh, a lot of the fighting that happens with differing opinions is unnecessary. Uh, I'm finding that uh, some people come to that conclusion also. It's like, all right, let's agree to disagree on this for now. And let's uh, focus on what we agree and uh, and explore that. And then later on, we could wrestle with uh, whether you have to be a vegetarian or whether you could uh, uh, um, eat animals or whether you should be a Democrat or a Republican or any of these polarities that uh, uh, we create and fight each other with. Uh, Because we all pretty much want the same things, and we're all people, uh, so we have the same types of experiences. So uh, if we focused on what we have in common rather than uh, what we disagree upon, uh, a lot of the world's ills would evaporate.
4: Most definitely, and sharing the information. You know, so many yeah. people
1: feel, uh,
4: you know, when you when you start dissecting some of the arguments that people have, you find that it's based in, well, this is where I'm at right now, and I don't want any oh. interference from anyone else, or I know this, and I don't want to share it, which is I find so sad because it it you make someone's life better isn't that just the community comes together and, and isn't that enhancement for everyone, not just you, because you shared it, but right. just everyone's life is lifted and it's the same with wealth, you know, We're in politics and learning information and, and, and job opportunities. If you know something, you know, why wouldn't you share it with others Beca- or, or look to make a, uh, make other people's lives better when you know the information or when you see a a wrong being done that you try to right it, or at least offer information the way a person can go about resolving this situation.
1: Correct. Correct. There we go. And the the only immortality we know is to live on in the stories that other people tell once we're gone. Uh, So why not Live on in good stories <laughs> rather than bad exactly. stories.
4: Exactly. Let's have that positive energy being projected. And I thank you for letting me start this with you because I started the first one at the end of the year, actually, in
3: 2019.
4: Mm-hmm. And we talked about being proactive and, and, um, and, and how to deal with things, and, and one of the things we said is, you know, what do you do? You find a good doctor, or you get a blood work panel, and, and how do you figure out what it means, and sharing familial history, and, you know, if there, do you have deficiencies, you know, uh, vitamin deficiencies, are there specific illnesses that can be helped by medication, are they gender or age-related, is it time for genetic testing for markers, and then we find a lot of people found that medicine, uh, the pharmacy, using the pharmacy, or pharmaceuticals, had its side effects as well. Right. And again, again that's a very personal thing. Uh, I remember my dad being told way back when that Coumadin was wonderful and he couldn't have the blood clots removed. There were so many in his legs, so he had to be on Coumadin. But the doctor did say you can only be on it a specific amount of time and you need to be have your blood tested all the time, the clotting factor. and We don't want you to be unable to clot. And before you know it, people don't keep up with things. Doctors, you know, you change doctors. One doctor dies, you change another doctor, and it's so important to have a really good doctor. And he was never taken off it. The end mm-hmm. result is, it added to uh, gave him other problems in terms of blood vessels being weak and bursting. So does it happen to anybody? No. Now there are more choices. But this is why it is so important to be proactive and not just to depend on a doctor.
1: Right. We
4: did talk about supplements last time and which ones were vital and crucial and, you know, holistic versus homeopathic way. And it's important that if you're going to take something on and not see a nutritionist or someone who's, who's a um, holistic doctor that you've got to do your research because when you're taking different supplements and and, uh, if it's something like a liver support and then you're taking something else for cholesterol, you have to make sure you're not getting double-dosed with certain vitamins within those uh, supplements. And it is no different than what we're talking about tonight, which is the introduction of essential oils to people's lives. You know, people have found that they rather go the natural route And um, the essential oils have gone way back in time. We're talking all the way back. And and, uh, the Egyptians, it was in Hosep and Tutankhamen that used them. The Greeks, um, Hippocrates used them. The Romans used them in the steam baths. The Bible has over 200 references. And um, the first medicines, the oils were the first ones known to man, dating as far back as 4500 B.C. They were used for rituals. And they were used medicinally as well.
1: Yes, there. There, I experimented with essential oils uh, when I first got to know Kak Young, who has a, a podcast, uh, an Optimal Wellness podcast. And uh, um, I experimented, and she just recently wrote another book on essential oils. And uh, I've heard so many wonderful things about your workshop on essential oils that I have to, I have to attend.
4: Oh, thank you. And, you know, people say, well, what are they? Well, it's an aromatic, volatile liquid that's held within shrubs, flowers, trees, roots, seeds, and it's extracted nowadays through steam distillation. Way back when, they used, um, in the ancient times, they used all different means of uh, distillation. And uh, I was amazed. some, Some were with alcohol. Some were boiled. Uh, it's amazing the methods that were used way back when, but it's basically steam distillation. It's different from regular. The oils that we know is a vegetable, peanut, and olive oil, and in that it is non-greasy, does not oxidize or become rancid, which is amazing. And uh, it was rediscovered. People say, well, it was used back then. It was stopped. No, because of, of things like um, antibiotics and um, other medications that came along, they figured, well, you know, it's, it's better. This is more, this is modern. This is a better product. Uh, but it was, we basically rediscovered in World War I on the battlefield. The French physicians used oils extensively for wound healing and for their antibacterial qualities. Because if you're working with people on the field, and they didn't have uh, all these antibiotics, you know, they basically would use lavender oil. And mm-hmm. it's very, it's barely it's unbelievable in terms of antibacterial, and excellent for wound healing. And um, the one, uh, the the one vendor I'm most familiar with is um, Young Living oils. Gary Young was a founder. He had passed away. He studied oils in Switzerland in the eighties, and he worked on a distil, distillation process, and testing mm-hmm. it. And he began with lavender, most probably. Because so, you know, he wrote on, on what was done with it by the physicians. It's amazing. It really is, the things that, that have been done with it. But, again, it's good to become educated. Now, I did send you a link, and it was uh-huh. from a um, website, and it says how to know if your essential oils are top quality. Because I know that some people will be in shock when they see the price of some of the oils. And you can go to your little local five-and-dine, you know, dollar store, or whatever, and you can see some of them for just a couple dollars. I assure you, they are not the ones you should be using because mm-hmm. it, when you start and you can say, well, why do the prices vary? They vary according to how much it takes the, to get a yield. In terms of an oil, for instance, it takes sixty roses to make one drop of rose oil. So obviously, wow, rose oil is going to be much more expensive than something like lemon or peppermint oil, which is very inexpensive. Your frankincense oil, depending on on um, where it, where its origin is from, uh, it would depend there as well. You know, but uh, you're you're looking Uh, a lot of money for frankincense oil as in the rose oil because the distillation process, accessing it, Uh, somebody that's reputable and is very involved with it will be directly involved with the distillation, with the farms, the people that do that or raise it. Gary Young, I have to say, he started out working with these different people and then established his own farms. And he has farms all over the world, whether it be for for lavender or other type of bushes or the trees with the resin for um, frankincense. So that is one way. They always say it's best to be in direct contact, and there's no better way than making sure and overseeing the farms where it's being handled. So... That's a good thing. And I'm really careful about it in terms of uh, researching and um, what is best used for certain things. They are not monitored by the FDA. And um, it was a few years back where the FDA got involved saying uh, that you cannot claim in a workshop or whatever that this is going to make this illness better. Right. You have to be very, very careful how you proceed with it. Now, and it was different before. They'd say, well, use this. This will take care of your headache. This will do this, you know, your stomach, and you have problems with that. But one thing that is definite is if it is a reputable company, it will get into the identification with the botanical names. For instance, you know, the Young Living products, that's the one I know. Uh, you can okay. get a handbook. And I, I personally, my favorite... Book for reference is the Essential Oils Pocket Reference by Life Science. Only because the research in it is amazing. It breaks everything down in terms of of the backgrounds of oils, uh, chemical sensitivities and allergies, how you can use each one. Not just like an overall blanket statement. Yeah, you know, aromatherapy compresses. Each single Oil is broken down to a single oil, a blend, and they talk in terms of the origins. It gives you the botanical name. It talks about the medical properties, uh, uses, the fragrance, influence, the directions, how to deal with it. And then comes the technical data, which means the botanical family, the plant origin, the extraction method and the uh, the key ingredients, because that's important too. These are the different things, whether it be uh, limonene or the alpha panine, there are all these different uh-huh. things that that will have major effects on your cells and your your brain in terms of of utilizing it, you know the different areas and where it sends it. but um, because it's not just physical ailments, they have things even for your emotional well being. There are certain things like lavender that are often used just even to have a relaxing night of sleep that will help you put you in a relaxing frame for sleeping. So, um, and then they have the blends that are different combinations that are amazing. I'm sure you've heard me mention Thieves oil. That's T H I E E S. Yes. Lots of cooks. And it's named justly so because way back when, during the time of the plague, I'm going to try and find a write-up on this because it's so interesting. Here it is, I think. Yes. It's a blend, and it is highly antiviral, antiseptic, antibacterial, and anti-infectious in terms of of what's in the oils. And it was created from legends about a group of 15th century thieves who concocted all these different botanicals, rubbed uh-huh. on them to avoid contracting the plague while they robbed the bodies of the dead. <laughs> and that way they did not get the, um, the plague. And there have been plenty of stomach, uh, studies all over demonstrating the power of these oils, the combinations of them, to airborne microorganisms. Um, and shows the analysis shows after 10 minutes of these diffusion in the air, there was an 82% reduction in uh, a certain particular organi- uh, organism. And I think it's mind-blowing. Um, what's in it? It's a blend of clove, lemon, cinnamon bark, eucalyptus radiata, and rosemary. And I know when I first started using the essential oils, when I was introduced to them, a friend of mine, I just looked at her very quizzically, saying, "Uh huh, sure." Mm-hmm. And um, as an educator that worked with nine hundred to thousand kids a week, I had, <laughs> I was exposed to a lot of viruses and bacteria, and I would get constant colds, you know, sore throats. When I started util- utilizing these, they basically stopped. And that, I can only say that for me, but you find your immune system is, is strengthened. And mm-hmm. the the one the one oil I swear by is definitely frankincense. Frankincense is the most amazing essential oil. And if anybody wanted to start with one any in any particular one, I would say frankincense. And oh. uh, it's derived from. <laughs>
1: That's a very it's ancient, right medieval
4: uh, word, real incense.
1: <laughs> in Greece so uh, they use that extensively and there are church incense, so I'm very familiar with the sense yes, they do. I have associations with it. How would I use it for wellness, of uh, the frankincense?
4: Well, you can of course there's different methods and I'll go into that with you, but um uh you can use it as in terms of aromatherapy, just breathing it in. And you could also use it in terms of like um um, reflexology you know, on your hands or on your feet. I basically use a drop of frankincense oil. You can do it in the morning or at night and rub mm-hmm. it on the sole of my foot. Only a drop because, remember, it's 100%. If you're going to use an oil, you want 100%. And it's right. very important to to read the books in terms of which oils do you use neat, like use it straight, and which ones do you cut with a half in terms of 50% with a carrier oil, like coconut oil, avocado oil, whatever. Um, it was used way back in the Middle East and religious ceremonies for thousands of years. It was used during the time of Christ for anointing and healing powers and was one of the gifts given to Christ at his birth. And it has been That's used great. to treat almost every ill amount to man, uh, more valuable than gold, more valuable than gold back then. And it's even wow. been written in old papyruses um, that as an ancient, they have a list of uh, 877 prescriptions and recipes using ancient oils. And it's considered, I know it's different studies with cancer, they mm-hmm. have used it in conjunction with other medical treatments whether it be radiation or uh, chemotherapy or whatever. But uh, it strengthens the immune system. It really does. I find it's amazing. People that I know that have used it have said that they're they're more likely to get ill, much less. And, And I found that in my case as well. Thieves is even great if you're not feeling well, the thieves' oil, that blend I mentioned before. You take a little Mm -hmm. drop, you put it in the back of your uh, tongue, and all your viruses on the whole, it's from touching your eyes, your hands, your mouth. A lot of viruses right there at the back of the throat, they go right there. So um, it's, it's, I would say if you're interested in it, you have to do the research. That's important whether you do a workshop, whether you just get a book on your own, like the DK Essential Oils with natural remedies and recipes for your mind, body, and home, because it can be used three different ways. You can use it in terms of of your body, and as we said, emotionally, but it's also a great natural cleaner. And I always find it interesting, Achilles, that you'll read all these different things, and even way back when, they would add lemon to different cleaners, because it'll clean better. Sure, it's the lemon that's cleaning. And they're only using a small percentage of it. Uh, Vicks, you know, some of these vapor rubs that they have, if you look at it, it's mostly product. It's vehicle, like a petroleum or a cream. And then you look at the percentage of the oil that's in it. It's minimal. So you're actually spending for the packaging and for the product name and their research but you're basically getting mostly vehicle, not the actual oil.
1: That, that's, that's very misleading and to somebody who doesn't do the research as you suggested, uh, they will fall for that.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. and, and how do you use it? Like you just asked how do you use it? Well, the most popular ways are, are um, is using diffusing you know aromatherapy. you can diffuse it in an atomizer, a vaporizer called steam. Uh, a resin burner if it's like resin like frankincense resin or myrrh you can do indirect diffusing subtle drops on cotton balls several drops on cedar chips in a closet several drops on a warm cloth and you put it in a heating vent several drops on logs in the fireplace i've actually used a little bit of um certain oils a blends and put it on a paper towel like a drop and put it in the microwave just to clear it out wow. with purification oil in the garbage pail, the recycling pail. And you could actually use a drop and, and mix it with um, a, uh, you know with water and, and actually clean it a little bit of soap and clean things with it. And you see that trend too. You'll see in the different uh, shops and stores products that have lavender in them, have lemon or orange oil in it. So uh, it's interesting that people, you know, picked up on that. So, you know, you you can diffuse, and it reduces bacteria, fungus, you know, odors. It can um, improve alertness and clarity. It can relieve a headache. It can actually improve secretion of IgA antibodies that fight Candida. And these are things that they've done studies on people. Will it happen to you? I don't know. The other method is a topical application and putting it on your skin. And, again, you have to always test for sensitivity. And you always have to make sure you know whether you should use it straight or whether you should cut it. And it's best to always test an oil. Like thieves is a very powerful oil because of the, the, um, the cinnamon in it. And uh-huh. um, I remember one time I was like, I had it too close to my nose, breathing it in, and um, I actually had like a little irritation. You know how the kids get that irritation by the upper lip? And oh. I realized that I had to um, put the drop on my finger and maybe, um, or put it on a cloth, a tissue, and breathe it in that way rather than the whole bottle.
1: Wow. Uh, Yeah, but you can use
4: it in massage, you can use it in a compress. I like using it for reflexology, you know, using it either in the hands or the base of the foot.
1: Now, you are somebody who always studies and always reads uh, and always shares. And uh, your emails are just one facet of your generosity, uh, oh, and you do get my emails, don't you? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm grateful for it. I just posted your "Are Your Essential Oils Top Quality?" Uh, article, uh, a link to that on uh, Facebook, where most of our uh, audience, uh, you know, finds out about the shows. So, uh, right. I'll- Look into that in the and, and a lot of it, you know is very very
4: um, how can I put it ba- basically simplistic things you know you say, well yeah, that's important, and you should have all the information out there it's just like with the um, uh, you know the right to know where they break down the different products that you have to have it posted, whether it be art supplies, cleaning supplies, it has to be posted and it has to be available within the uh, building. And it has to have like things like flash point and this and that. And uh, if it's airborne, is it toxic? It's important. And it's the same thing with the essential oil. It should contain every bit of information about that oil. And uh, it's important because you don't want to be a using an oil that might interfere with the medication you're taking, that might have be problematic. If you are a young child, there's certain oils that should not be used by pregnant women. So it is uh-huh. important to understand these things.
1: It, it most certainly is uh, very important to understand these things and uh, to apply them because life is an adventure and you, you never know what you're going to find. <laughs> and out, uh, not everything works for everybody, so you don't know what's going to work for you until you you, know, you try it. Um, And that's a very important thing, because things generally work until they don't. And uh, uh, sometimes something that you discard turns out to be a great idea that you discover later. And sometimes something you adopt that works well will all of a sudden not work and then even uh, uh, give you an ill effect. But you, you really don't know until you've researched and you've experimented and then you learn and you move on. Right.
4: And if when you have the oils it's very important to remember to store them correctly. They should be it should be in a dark glass bottle and away keep them away from direct sunlight in the house. That okay. prevents any chemical alteration of the oil. That's very important. And you see that even with medications, they'll say keep them in a place where it's not humid or the temperature is controlled. And But this thing, the important thing is that, uh, you know, that dark glass bottle and, mm-hmm. um, and and just keep it away from the light. That's really important. And the really good oils are called therapeutic grade essential oil. Also, the one person that has that website says, well, what does therapeutic mean? Well, according to... Um, Uh, Essential Oils uh, Young Living, it says you start with the perfect organic seed. You plant it in clean soil without chemicals. You harvest the plant at the peak of its oil-producing cycle. Every plant is different. You distill it at low temperatures and low-pressure steam distillation. You really can't rush it. It's like, like anything else. You know, you try to cook something too quickly, oh, yeah, I'll get done quicker. Put it in a higher temperature whatever. Well, you can affect it. You can kill the energy and the effectiveness of the oil. And uh, they should have labels on them that say exactly what is in it, including the correct um, species and the botanical names. Important. So, you know, your skin's the largest organ. You've got to think about it. If you're placing something on your skin, you want to make sure that it is 100% natural. There are some that are out there that have been labeled something says, if it says nature identical on the bottle, don't buy it. That means it is synthetic. Mm. Well, that's important. That filthy advertising It's everywhere. <laughs> So very, very important. And uh, if you're that interested in it and you really want to learn about it, as I said, that Little Essential Oils handbook, it's called The Pocket Reference. And you can go on Amazon and, and get it. I'll send that information to you. It's okay, by Light Science. It, it is phenomenal. I like it because it's not, you're not paying mega bucks for a huge handbook that you're never going to read. This you can actually take with you. It has like a little uh, ring on it, and it must be something like four-by-six in size. And it's I love the weapons because it gets into all the different aspects. it has a personal usage directory in the front. It goes through the history of it. It gets into different ways you can use it. Yeah, I love the fact that it gets into... Uh, um, how they work and the structure of the oil, like the terpenoids, right. and uh, talks about uh, the monoterpene. I mean, I don't know all this. And then when you get the isoprene units and they link together, they create a monoterpene. When three join, they create a sesquiterpene and so on. And that's getting very technical. But mm-hmm. um, it does get into that. It gets into the testing that's done on it, adulterated oils and their dangers. It gets into the limbic system and how powerful aromatherapy is in terms of how you react to it, your limbic system, your the different aspects of the brain, you know, the brainstem, the thalamus, how, what reacts, which aromas react where. I thought that was interesting. And how to safely use them. You know, about, uh, of course, looking for irritations, uh, your body pH, what to do in terms of topical application, um, then all the guides for diffusing. And then it goes through the main chapters of the book, which are the single oil and then Uh the blended oil. And they will go into the different aspects of each one which is good, and I like the fact that when it's a blend, they break down the blend, what's in it, so if it's something called, because they have some that are, um, that are basically, uh, you know, you're not too sure what it's about, it's more like an emotional thing, and dealing with your emotional aspects of your life, you're like, okay, what is that going to do, like stress away, what is that going to do, well, it's, it, fulfills people and makes people more tranquil for kids and adults, and it can be used by kids. It, 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 it relieves stress and tension. And um, how does it do it? It's what's in it. It's uh, lime, with vanilla, vanilla, which is very comforting, ocotilla, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong, and again, lavender. And it says you oh. diffuse it. You just diffuse it. You can put it on your temples or the wrists. You can breathe it. There's also roll-ons. You could make things in a roll-on. So um, that's interesting. And then they get into, in the end of the book, they get into all different kind of issues, whether you have a problem with your sinuses, whether you have digestion problems, and they break it down. If you have high cholesterol, it talks about what causes it, and then it makes recommendations for singles and blends and then it has nutritionals because they have products you can take that are like chewables and then it talks about how you would use it and the application interesting i've used a couple of them already yeah
1: and the Uh, this has been studied since antiquity so it has thousands of years of uh of uh, uh, evidence behind it and stories behind it. Uh, you know, you're entering something that's uh, been with us for a very long time, as you said, and uh, it's, it's been respected throughout uh, many of the ancient civilizations and through the Middle Ages to our current day. That's awesome.
4: Right, right. And if you're interested in the oils, uh, if anyone's interested in it, the ones that people most use and start with would be. A lemon. These are single oils now. Lemon oil, and that basically the origin comes from California, Italy, and it's cold. They cold press the lines to get the oil. How do you use it? Well, it's used as a diuretic. It's used in cooking. It's used as an antiseptic. Lemon is amazing, well, even for cleaning. Um, you know, the counters or whatever using a really good lemon and way back when, and even now it's become very um, popular to do is to get lemon and you could do it with the lemon essential oil or even just, you know, you could squeeze your own lemons and make sure you get some from the rind and add it to warm water in the morning. It's a great detox. So um, it's good for cleaning the home. It's good for cleaning your, your insides and um, it's a, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great if you just use it. It's great for cleansing the air, and um, it's anti. It, it's considered antibacterial for the kitchen and the bathroom. You could make a lemon detox. Some people add it to their apple cider vinegar in the warm uh, in, in the morning for their water. Um, again, as a cleaner, you know I've, I've used it in the house and mixed it. I you can also be, um do it the short way, and get the thieves thieves oil, they also make thieves cleaner, uh-huh. and uh, thieves little sheets, you could make them yourself actually to go, but if you're going anywhere and you don't and there's a lot of illness and you don't want to touch anything, you can um, basically use it as an antiseptic on different things.
1: So and that's very inexpensive. Lemon, you can go to your local market. Lemon is
4: very reasonable. Another one is peppermint oil, and that's another single oil. And that they basically the origins from North America, the Mediterranean, and Great Britain. And the key constituents. I'm not even going to go into it. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different things within it like menthol, methone, you know, isomethone, all these different ingredients in it that are the constituents that give it its properties and it's anti inflammatory, it's anti parasitic, antiviral. It is a great pain reliever. Peppermint. I, I'm sure you know, with your origins in Greece, and I know some of uh, my relatives way back when said they would chew on peppermint if you had indigestion. Yeah, they just sure. chew on it, and that is one of the uses of peppermint oil. If you have a problem, you know, with your stomach, you just take a drop of peppermint oil, or if you, you know, add a couple drops to water and you drink it. It will relieve your indigestion. It makes you feel better. It helps your stomach. It is amazing for headaches and sinus pressure. Amazing. Wow. Uh, I remember going to certain meetings Some people would have headaches. So I would always have a little bottle, I'd take a drop only, and just rub it in the temples, behind the ear, and that little, little uh, hollow of the neck. Because these are all mm. little areas where the sinus pockets and your, all your blood vessels are that, that affect your head, you know, in terms of getting you headache, those bounding headaches. And it does work. I, I basically, for me, it's worked. And I do not use Tylenol, aspirins, anything. I will stick with the peppermint oil. Yeah,
1: I've never tried it for those uh, type of things, so I have to try it now.
4: Oh, definitely. And, you know, we had a problem at one time with, you know, little insects, you know, in the school and, uh-huh. and little little mice, well, peppermint oil, peppermint oil on a cotton ball and put it in certain areas where they're going in and out. And oh, the, the mice can't stand it. It's also, people have put, the, um, put it in bug repellent, five drops of peppermint oil to some water uh-huh. and spray it by the window and doors. Like I said, in the cotton balls, press it in uh, tight areas, and the, the, the mice will not be happy.
1: How does it work with yellow jackets? Because we get those occasionally, and they wind up uh, in the walls, and then uh, a few of them wind up in the house. So that, that happens. Uh, I would go for
4: that for you because oh, they, they, they do use, like, like one time we had a tree cut down. Um, yes, let's why not drop it right near the house and it's like dead. Mm-hmm. All of these carpenter ants were oh, they were no. coming into the house. And I had I just Googled something about it and they said make a line of cinnamon and mm. they will not crush it. They don't like it. They don't like cinnamon. But uh, what I did is I, I basically used the cinnamon oil, and my windows when they're open or like near the doors. I'll put like a drop of it, and uh-huh. uh, I won't get those. I won't get those ants. So you've got to find what the particular species does not like. So we'll look. We'll look into that.
1: I really I will. Uh, I wish we had thought of that when we lived in Pennsylvania. There we were battling uh, carpenter ants quite a lot. There. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. And
4: you know, you really don't want to start using the chemicals if you don't have right. to. In the be- beginning, we didn't know. Anything, you know, about the natural way of doing things? Like thirty something years ago, when we moved out in the country, and of course everybody says, yeah, you've got to spray for the carpenter ants, but you have to be careful what you use if you're near a body of water, and if you have pets, you have to be careful. And what about the birds and the insects, you know, and the wildlife? You know, do you want to expose them to this? So these chemicals are not just killing bad bugs, bugs that you consider evil for your house, but uh, it affects everything. everything. And again, we talk about water, water runoff, and you're going to be spraying, you know, pesticides on the ground. Wow.
1: As as ever, uh, our conversations always uh, move too quickly, and we're at the end again. Uh, Thank you, Astrid, for everything, uh, for being a great friend, for being a great uh, resource, for being a great source of positive energy. um, And uh, I look forward to our next conversation.
4: Most definitely. And we'll continue a little little bit more about some of the studies that have been done on it the next time around. And I I will send you a few uh, little tidbits
1: here and there. I appreciate them and I'll share them. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Cauldron Born and then we'll be back with Mythic Gaming. And tonight we have Timothy Espy and Zach McAtee and we'll be talking about some exciting things that will be happening at Level 1 Games in the very near future. <laughs>
0: It's all blooded.
1: Invictus, and I'm honored to announce our next segment, Mythic Gaming, with Tim Espy and Zach McAtee. Greetings and welcome, Tim and Zach. How are you? Hello, good. good. How Sorry? are you? Okay. Um, I was very happy to be able to test level one game the other day. Uh, it's been a while since I was up in that uh, area, uh, and uh, it, it looks sort of like a lot of awesome things are going on. Well, what do you think is going on now? Uh, there were people in there doing all kinds of different things. tables were cool. uh, Everybody looks like really intent on what they were doing. Yeah, um,
5: Saturday, you stopped by Saturday. Um, Saturday, we had a uh, big Pokemon tournament going on as well as another big magic event going on at two separate times. Awesome.
1: And so, yeah,
5: it was, uh,
1: into... it was real busy. Awesome. I looked into what you guys had mentioned on the last uh, uh, podcast about Ravnica, uh, and uh, uh, you're right. You know, it, it's a massive crossover between magic and uh uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Do you think we'll continue
5: uh, doing that? Um, I, I would. I would hope that they would. I mean, they have you know endless planes and stuff to visit. So they did the Ravnica one, obviously. I would like to see one. You know, where in Theros, where, where we are now. I'm not sure. I, that, I don't think there's anything planned for it.
1: So tell us, beyond, tell us about Theros Beyond Death. Uh, thank you for the cards, by the way. Um, it, lo- it looked very fascinating. I've researched it, and uh, uh, it's something I'd like to explore some more. you um, open my eyes and my mind to what it's all about? It seems to be a chapter in the Theros Saga, which uh, came out uh, years ago. Am I correct?
5: Yeah, that's correct. Um, next time you come, I'll give you some packs so you can open up the packs and see some more cards. Um, but uh, but but yeah, this Theros is called Theros Beyond Death, and it's it's a story about uh, there's a planeswalker called uh, her name is Elspeth, and it's her story about how she was um, dragged down um, in, into you know into you know their version of of hell, if you will, and it's her escape um, from that. Um, so there's a new mechanic in the game called escape that has to do with your graveyard and and uh, so yeah it's it's a it's a story or it's the story about how Elspeth escaped death basically.
1: Now I remember when Magic first came out. And uh, I, for some reason, I have like a block to playing magic. My son, uh, my eldest son, tried to show me how to play it uh, way back in the day when it first came out, uh, but I just never uh, grasped. What would you say the easiest way of learning magic uh, would be? Um, the
5: easiest way is getting to a store and sitting down with somebody that is fairly knowledgeable um, okay. and learning the different. Things. Learning the different mechanics and um, and how things work at its level, I don't want to say that magic is simple, but it's you know the 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 base game is you know you can only do certain things that are allowed to, um, but then when you dive into magic, it gets very um um, gets pretty detailed. So knowing somebody that um, knows the game well is is important to teach you the right way.
1: And you just wrote up that they're always adding other mechanisms to the game. Like here they added uh, escape. that has to do with your uh, your discard pile, I guess. Um, So the game evolving and growing and changing.
5: Yeah, yeah, they're always adding and bringing old mechanics back. Like I said, uh, the, the escape mechanic is when you play something in Magic or when something dies, it goes to your graveyard. Um, so normally, there's cards that let you interact with your graveyard, but cards with uh, escape on it um, let you play stuff from your graveyard by paying the mana and discarding cards and stuff. So it's a way to interact with the graveyard, so it brings that theme with you know Elspeth coming back from the graveyard, if you will, so it, it ties thematically together with the set.
1: Oh, very cool. Next time I come by, I'm going to budget some time so I can sit down with you or somebody who knows the game to, to show me the mechanics, because um, I'm very fascinated with looking mythology, and uh, what you've told me and what I've read about uh, this game is definitely looking mythology.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pharos is, is an interesting plane. I don't know too much about the back... Story of it, and yeah, you know, I know that's a plane where the gods come from, and there's people that worship the gods, and and they, so some of the cards they gave you, they're, they're demigods, so they were, you know, they got, you know, not full godship if you will, but they, they some people gave them their demigod status. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's an interesting, an interesting plane, and I'm glad that they explored it again.
1: Thank you. And, Zach, how are you doing? I'm
6: doing well. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing uh, well uh, also. There's a lot of things uh, um, happening uh, on the horizon, and uh, if uh, half of them or so happen, uh, I'll be very busy (laughs) for the next uh, several months. So uh, that's a good place to be for someone like me. Um, Have you been running any games recently or designing any games or uh, playing any new games?
6: Yeah, I actually have um, two things to talk about. Um, I don't know. I think it was the last time we talked. I mentioned that one of the things I was hoping to do for this year was finally finish working on this Pokemon setting that I had designed based off of Norway. Yeah, Uh, and so I I have to give you credit because after our conversation, uh, the spark inside of me just lit right back up again, and I bent to the task. I have now written almost 300 pages of a source book.
0: Wow. I just finished
6: it earlier today, actually. Uh, So the entire source book is written. There's encounters for all over the place. There's random quest tables. There's, uh, I think there's 20 to 30 different cities, each with different lore and NPCs in them. There's about 30 to 40 different special landmarks around the country that each have lore behind them. And uh, last night him, I, and a few other people actually sat down and uh, made their characters so that hopefully we can start playing it sometime next month and run that as an ongoing campaign.
1: That is phenomenally awesome. What an accomplishment. I'm honored to have uh, uh, helped inspire you in some way. That is awesome.
6: Yeah, I very much appreciate it. Like I said, I I have to give you credit for that because after we talked, it's just something clicked inside of me and I, I could not put the pen down. And you can ask my girlfriend, because I spent two weeks. Just I was like, okay,
1: honey, I uh, I'm gonna be out here writing. You go watch the show. You do whatever. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm greatly honored by uh, your saying that. Uh, and when is this campaign gonna start?
6: We're picking a week next month to start. Uh, we're probably going to do it biweekly on Saturday evenings is the plan at the moment. Uh, and then what we're thinking we might do is we might record it, at least audio, if not audio and video, and then put up our sessions on a blog or something like that so that people could follow along if they want, or we can go back and check it for reference.
1: That is incredibly Um, awesome. And we'll link to it from uh, my timeline. Uh, As soon as you have it up and running, we'll link uh, from it, and we'll uh, return to it uh, and uh, talk about its progress on the podcast that we do together. And this way uh, more and more people can uh, learn about it and uh, follow the adventure or maybe later on even uh, come down to level one and participate in the adventure. That is awesome.
6: Thank you. And then the
0: other thing uh, –
5: you should see the the book and and everything that he has for it. Like, if he told you that, yes, this is something that I just bought, and you would be like, oh yeah, okay, that totally believable. It looks like the most professional thing you could that you come across that you just buy in a store. So that, I wow. respect the amount of work and and everything that that went into it. It's it's really really unbelievable, actually. We
1: we have to plan to get that. together. There's a pizzeria near level one. Uh, that Athena and I have eaten at a few times. So we have to plan to get together, and I'll treat you guys to pizza. <laughs> we'll sit down and uh, <laughs> uh, look at all this stuff, and uh, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about how we best uh, spread the word. Uh, you guys have inspired me also and offered me with an opportunity. Uh, I'm putting together a one-shot um, Argonaut adventure. I'm calling it uh, Voyage of the Argo Untold Tales, and these are going to be like one-shot type of things. Uh, and then also I invited you to a Star Trek thing I'm doing Uh, I used to be a Klingon years ago and I met my wife there uh, too my wife and I bumped into each other many times before we actually connected years later Um, and we've been together for like 20 years now Um, but before then we used to connect in different fandoms so that was one of them and I'm kind of seeing who's out there and if they're interested in doing something uh, not so much something convention-based anymore, um, but uh, something like on Facebook, like a role-playing game or something. So uh, right now we're discussing and I invited you guys there, um, and I promoted tonight's uh, podcast there as well. Uh, and this way, uh, uh, when I get around to actually uh, plotting it out, getting all the maps and miniatures together, and then scheduling one with you, which will be later this year, um, we can have uh, that adventure and... Uh, um, yeah it'll go into the uh, the greater uh, voyage of the argos saga and the greater star trek saga whatever
5: that turns out to be okay, Yeah, that's, awesome. that, that that sounds exciting yeah that, that that's fun i'm definitely i don't know too much about star trek i was more of a star wars person but anything uh-huh. to to engross engross myself into the world and and learn something fun i'm familiar enough with it with pop culture you know so I know that well, you know, Klingons are a thing and everything,
1: you know. So we we, we did Klingons back then. Um and uh, uh I'm also more into the general pop culture. So we had every, we had Star Wars in there. In fact our last two campaigns in Pennsylvania where we had a, a really big group going for years, uh, was uh, Die Gung Die and Wookie Holocaust. So,
0: <laughs> that's how <laughs> we ended
1: science fiction gaming and uh <laughs>
5: Yeah. Wow, then is! I'm excited for the argonaut
1: one. Okay, so I will within a month I'll have like some outlines for you. know uh, PM it to your email it to you, and we'll take it uh, to both of you from there. And let me know what's going on with your Pokemon adventure, and we'll we'll definitely uh, uh, promote that and have people uh, follow it on whatever platforms uh, we currently have available. Um, now, what are the new releases we can be looking forward to? I'm personally looking forward to a Greek mythology release that was teased. Um, I don't know if that actually has a release date yet. Uh, it was made by the same people who did uh, Assassin's Creed, right. but it didn't look photorealistic like Assassin's Creed. It was kind of cartoony. But I love everything that has to do with mythology. So, has there been any word uh, on that uh, on that release? Uh-huh. I haven't heard much about it.
5: I looked into it and I, I saw when the last last we spoke, but I haven't seen a release date or anything. Generally, we don't find out anything earlier than than a, a quote-unquote normal person would. Um, okay. So, so I mean, if I do hear something, then of course I, I, I'll let you know. But um, but yeah, that that, that it, it looks interesting, and I did see what you were uh, what you were mentioning.
1: And also, I heard that Assassin's Creed was going into the. Uh, uh, Roman era next, uh, that they were going to do something during at the time of Julius uh, Caesar, and there was a lot of information right. floating around and then all of a sudden that information dried up uh, as well. So I don't know if that was still uh, in the realm of possibility, or if it was delayed, or... It, it, it possibly was delayed? I, I know that...
5: That, that 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 company pushed back a few of their games to work on them a little bit longer because they were on like a yearly release schedule, and I think they pushed stuff back, you know, to make it every year and a half, two years. So that might have been one of them that uh, that that got hit, if you will.
1: And the last one I'm gonna well, I'm gonna ask some, two more things. Uh, one is uh, Conan. I saw some great uh, like uh, YouTube videos on the next Conan game and uh, Conan is back mm. in Marvel again even though some of the stuff uh, uh, it's well done but it makes you cringe because they have him interacting with superheroes <laughs> And uh, uh, but anyway uh, it, it's well done so I have to give them that and I am following it um, but they showed a, like a King Conan game and it was incredibly awesome and photorealistic and then I didn't hear anything about that for that one I checked the Conan website and there was no uh, reference to it at all as well
5: all right. Yeah, the, the last Conan game was the Conan Exiles game. If you ever played yeah. that one,
1: yeah, I have. Yeah, that, 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 one was that was like. A... It.
5: Right. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the there's there's a couple of things coming out that I'm looking forward to, but um, not, nothing mythological at least, just uh, just newer. You know, you know me. I like you know post apocalyptic and and that kind of stuff. So, so there's a couple of things coming out that will be fun. So.
1: So can you share with us what you're looking forward to?
5: Yeah, so there's um, a game called uh, The Last of Us that came out that I was talking to you about. It released on PlayStation mm-hmm. 3 originally, but then they remastered it for PlayStation 4. So the second one is finally coming out like eight years later or whatever it is. Um, so uh, that is, that, that, that'll be... that, that top, my, my top three games probably was The Last of Us, the first one. So the new one comes out in April, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's my biggest, uh, my biggest hype moment right now for that.
1: And how is the science uh, fiction game you're looking forward to? How does that play out? Uh,
5: the um, the other one is uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Is what it's called. Um, okay. Keanu Reeves is actually is actually tied to that. He's uh, he's one of the characters in it. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, I purposely stayed away from almost all of the promotional material from it just so I can go in totally, totally blind. Um, I know okay. that it's a first-person, you know. Um, I'm not sure, are you familiar with the Witcher series?
1: Um, vaguely. I've seen the YouTube videos, and I've heard lots of people talk about it, and they said very good things about it. Uh, but my, my time for video and computer games were limited, So I didn't go in that direction. I might, if I liked the TV show, I might just go back and get stuff just to experience the greater story.
5: Right. So it's the same company that made the Witcher series, CD Projekt Red. It's a Polish company. Um, So with them, their games are massive. Just absolutely. Like with with The Witcher, you could spend, especially Witcher 3, hundreds of hours in, in that game if you wanted to. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm expecting that from cyberpunk, the same world building and great dialogue and story and characters that you run into along your way and endless side quests and stuff. So uh, I guess I, I stayed away purposely for most of uh, the promotional material so I can go in totally fresh. Um, awesome. But yeah, I'm excited for that.
1: Um, and is there any other science fiction or post-apocalyptic uh, game uh, coming out?
5: um last of us is post-apocalyptic it has to do with like uh i don't want to say virus but it was like a spore fungus type of thing um then cyberpunk and there was something else that i was looking forward to that i'm blanking on right now and i can't
6: remember
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> zach how about you? what are you looking forward to uh coming out
6: I've got such a backlog for video games of things that I, I couldn't play when I didn't have the system for them. It's a, I, I probably won't get to too many new releases for quite some time. But uh, the, the one I'm looking forward to right now that is a new release is, um, I've mentioned before, a platforming game called Hollow Knight. It's yes. very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. It's very beautifully drawn. The music is incredible. And uh, the sequel to that should be coming out this year. So I'm eagerly awaiting that.
1: Oh, incredible. And and what else? When uh, circumstances, uh, when time and uh, finances allow uh, you to bring into your consciousness, which which other games are you looking forward to?
6: Pokemon. I I really don't know of stuff coming up. Well, Pokemon eventually, but that's if I ever get a Switch. But (laughs) we'll see if that happens. Um, But I've got a whole bunch of, um, like, there was a really good Batman series that they made years ago. And I played through the first two, but when the third one came out, I didn't have the system that it was on. Um, and so I Tim actually, uh, as a birthday present a couple of years ago, you know, gave me this, uh, an Xbox uh, One, and my friend John is lending me his copy of the third one in that series so I can finally finish the story and find out what happened.
1: Is it the Arkham Asylum series?
6: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, Arkham Asylum. My kids always have taken away my Arkham Asylum. Two of my kids. I had the whole series. I didn't get to play it much, but you know, I just played it occasionally. And one of them borrowed it, never got it back. Then uh, my other son, uh, my youngest, uh, he got a lot of my Arkham uh, Asylum series. So uh, lately, I've been finding it inexpensively, and I've been uh, you know picking it up and. Uh, uh, who knows, one day I might actually be able to immerse myself in it. But you're right, it does look uh, very good, and it's awesome.
6: Yeah, the the first two games are phenomenal. It, it's probably the best Batman media that you have out there to uh, get anywhere close to the feeling of, of being Batman. They do such a good job juggling the, the way he moves around the city, the stealth combat with the, uh, the actual just getting in an all-out brawl. Like, they're very well put together games.
1: How is the Telltale Batman, the the one that's uh, basically conversation-driven, from what I understand?
6: I've downloaded the first episode, but I haven't gotten to it yet. It's it's okay. in my list. <laughs> I'll let you know <laughs> once I do try it. it.
5: It's supposed to be good. The Telltale games are, are generally hit or miss. The Walking Dead one was really popular. The Back to the Future one was pretty good. But the... um. The Wolf Among Us was really good, too. And then the Batman one was supposed to be one of the good ones as well. Um, that's not my style of gameplay, but uh, I've watched people play the other ones. And uh, uh-huh. if the, the Batman one is, any, is, is as good as the other ones, then I'm sure it's really good.
1: I picked up their Game of Thrones one, but again, I haven't had time to really like sit down and immerse myself uh, in it. But uh, uh, I liked uh, Game of Thrones, uh, the TV show. I read the first uh, two books, no, the first two and a half books, um, and then it just became too much for me to keep track of. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I like barbarians, and the, the barbarian characters weren't getting, weren't getting a lot of book time, so um, that was what yeah. brought me back. I, I was following the Caldrogo Drogo, and then they killed him, and then uh, the Starks, and then they weren't really in the books except for the ones that were in uh, King's Landing, so uh, anyway, uh, someday I'll read the books.
6: You've got plenty of time because um, he still hasn't finished the series.
1: Yet.
5: Oh, <laughs> um but I I'm gonna have a review for you hopefully sometime soon actually for a board game. Um okay, awesome. that means that I just I, I I just brought it up to Zach. Somebody brought it up to me and I was like, Wow, Hercules would uh, you might already know it actually. It's called Omen Reign of War. It's a two player no, board card game. Um, no, more I can read you a bit of the description it says it's a sure. head-to-head st- strategic card game where you compete ga- to gain the favor of the pantheon of gods and prove that you're a rightful heir of Zeus so it seems oh, like it's oh, a balance okay. between trying to you know have the right power and and everything so it's, it's head-to-head demigod battles for, perse- for supremacy of ancient Greece so it seems pretty cool oh, I gotta find awesome. a copy of it and hopefully uh,
1: what and is then, that uh, again?
5: give you a detailed review Omen, Reign of War.
1: Let me write that down, because that's something I would definitely want to look into. Um, Omen, Reign of War. Okay, after the show, I'm definitely going to look that uh, up. Um, Now, with the uh, Ravnica... um, I'm again, I'm not going to get the Ravnica because uh, it's it's again, it's too much. <laughs> I don't have time to uh, explore. And they did like a really uh, good job from what I've been able to see and read and uh, um, people, you know, ha- have people tell me. And the fact that it ties into magic, so you know, if you, you could uh, switch to a card game if you don't want to play the uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it gives you the choice. And I'm sure there will be Ravnica. Um, uh, uh, um, like movies or cartoons or whatever. They already have books and comic books uh, coming out with uh, Ravnica. So that'll be an immersive uh, universe. Uh, I prefer for those, the Hyborian age of Conan and also the uh, Icewind Dale in the forgotten realms, you know? So uh, there's so much of yep. that too, that I spend a whole lifetime rereading this stuff and still have stuff uh uh, left over to bring with me to get to the afterlife. So I don't really need new worlds uh, um, at uh, this uh, point. And I'm going to be reviewing the uh, Atlantis game uh, by shoot again uh, games uh, for our next uh, podcast. Cause that's a lot of fun. Oh, nice. I'm going to be having a um, new show uh, very shortly. Um, I'm right. Now I'm training to use their equipment and because it's uh Um, mechanized equipment, my learning curve is kind of steep, but I already have my ID. They checked me out and cleared me and, you know, all this other stuff. Um, And I'm shadowing a DJ, but I'm going to have a uh, show on HD radio. And it's going to be (laughs) called The Age of Heroes. And it's going to be, you know, themed mostly mythological, um, but I'm going to be dealing with different ways the myths live on, including uh, gaming. And how gaming is part of how we experience mythology now. So, I will be inviting both of you uh, together and separately on that uh, show. Um, And also, uh, I'm gonna be talking about uh, the the, the games, and I'm starting with the shoot again uh, games, you know, and uh, this way there'll be uh, segments with that. And I might ask uh, your aunt to be back on, um, you know, for one of those. So, it's gonna be spread out over several months. Um, And the reason I'm rambling about this is because um, once this new, you know, this new show comes on, I'll be moving some stuff from the podcast and doing it on the show, which will give me a lot more time on the podcast. So we can extend our podcast together uh, to an hour, um, or we can add a second show that focuses on the games that are unfolding so you guys can focus on you know, the unfolding Pokemon game or any other game that's in the process of happening. We can focus on the, the games as myths that are unfolding. So I'm really excited about that. And I figure, let me tell you about it now, because uh, otherwise, uh, when I pop my head into level one games, it might be floating around and it won't come out until next month. I, I like awesome. the
5: idea of, of 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 exploring you know the games in session because hopefully we'll have you know some of the recordings and it, it would be a good way to revisit and and keep stuff fresh too for me so that's that that's a that's a great idea I'm I'm in for that.
1: Thank you, Zach. What are your thoughts?
6: I'm definitely intrigued and interested. I would totally be fine with that.
1: Okay, fantastic. So that is something we will uh, explore together and uh, make it happen in the very near future. Um, we only have like five more minutes or no, six more minutes. Um, what is happening in the near future uh, in level one games, like between now and next month? What type of things are going to be uh, um, coming up and how can people um, learn more and how can they get involved?
5: Um, there's a bunch of stuff going on, especially in, uh, March and April. Um, Magic is really hitting us hard with a bunch of new releases and stuff, so we'll be, um, announcing dates for more pre-releases and new product that's coming out. Um, we're gonna have, um, every three months, um, we have a Pokemon League Cup is what it's called. It's like the big, big, um, uh, quarterly, uh, event that, uh, Pokemon allows us to have. Um, so that Mm -hmm. will be... March um 8th or it's one of the, one of the Sundays in March. March March 8th or 15th, I forget. Um so that, that'll be a big event going on at the store usually there's like 30 40 people or maybe more even now uh that we have the support for it. Um oh, awesome. So yeah, that that'll be a big thing. Um like I said Magic is coming out with two sets pretty much back to back in March and April, so we're going to have pre-releases and drafts and sealed stuff for that. The best way to find all that information would be on our Facebook or our Instagram. But if you go to okay. level1games.com, um, there's links to that, and we post everything on there for, um, you know, the solidified dates and everything.
1: That is awesome. And uh, I, I will make it a habit every couple of weeks to uh, post a link to your website. Uh, and this way so people, can, you know, it will be easier check it out if the ad just keeps appearing and they could just click on it and go straight to uh, your Correct. website. Yeah, that, that, okay. that'd be
5: great. Yep. And then th- they can call us as well to, because um, the spots are limited, so uh, everyone would have to give us a call and I can put everybody's name on the list and uh, it's not a binding contract. You don't have to, if you can't make it, it's okay. But uh, best is just to call ahead and reserve your spot if you have a, a feeling like you want to come at least.
1: That is really good to know. And, Zach, is anything coming out from Shoot Again Games in the very near future?
6: Not that I've been told. Uh, I believe that they're still planning out their tour cycle for the year, uh, seeing which conventions they're going to go to and get tables at. I know some of the ones they've tried the past few years haven't gotten them as much exposure as they wanted, so they're axing some of them and looking into alternatives. But I believe that they're going to Origins in June. I am not sure if they are getting a table this year or not. I know that they've done pretty decently well when they get a table at that convention.
1: If they do get a table so that people can find them, again, let me know uh, before that. uh, uh, You know, on on one of the shows or through a PM and I'll put links up to it because you guys are awesome and what you're doing is awesome. And uh, the people you know are awesome. So let's spread some of that awesomeness around.
6: Thank you. I hope you know you're included in that. Awesome.
1: Well, well thank you very much. <laughs> I'm honored. And any last words uh, you would like to extend to those who, again, are curious about gaming but they've never uh, tried it? Uh, we'll start with Tim.
5: Yeah. Um, the the best way um, is to just hop in. Even though I, I've mentioned this before, like for me, it was you know I'll, I'll, I'll say uncomfortable, I guess. Um, getting in and, and coming out of your coming out of your shell a little bit. So the best way is just to immerse yourself and and get a. Everybody that comes to the store, you know, is super welcoming and accepting, and you know everybody yeah. has their weirdness, and yeah. that that's what makes us fun, you know. And uh, we, mm-hmm. we we built a really good community at the store, and everybody's super supportive. And um, but yeah, the best way is just to immerse yourself in in it if you're, you know, worried about it. But everybody's weird and everybody has a good time, so that, that's all that matters.
1: You're right, that is all that matters. Uh, And Zach, how about you? I think more
6: than any other time since they've begun, this is really the era of finding a way into these new hobbies. There are so many websites and apps for you to find groups nearby, uh, introductory people, people who are totally okay with someone with no experience of any age. And it's important to remember that there isn't an age cutoff. I've played with people who are... 40, 50, 60, that this is their first game, and they knock it out of the park. They have a great time, and it, it's a hobby mm-hmm. they pick up for the rest of their life. So always be open, and you, you've got tons of avenues to try and find games nowadays.
1: That is very true. Thank you so much to both of you. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation a great deal. I'm looking forward to our next one, and I wish you success with uh, all your endeavors.
5: Thank Same you so to much, you as well.
1: Thank you, and thanks to all of you who've joined us tonight, or will join us when uh, you listen to this episode. And until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thanks
4: for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.